Check. Yes. I really don't even need this microphone, but they make <laughs> well, me use one. Um, so how are you guys doing? Really, really great time. I got to say, this last song is kind of something that we're going to talk a little bit about today. And it's going deeper. And, and the words of that lyrics, or the words, the lyrics of that song, we're talking about trust without borders. And that's a hard thing to do. Scary stuff. That is scary. That is something that is like, it's almost hard for our brain, our human brain, to, to, to fathom. But we're going to talk a little bit about, a little bit more about that. Um, and I got to tell you this. When we had the kids up here, and she put the microphone in front of my son's face, I thought, oh, We're sitting back there. No. You guys couldn't hear us, but we're going, don't pick Jesse. Don't pick Jesse. And she went like, don't pick Jesse. And we're like, she's picking Jesse. Our entire row, because I had my, ch my kids giggling. there, we all held our breath like, <gasps> Fruit. You just don't know okay. what's coming out of that kid's mouth. You know what I mean? Fruit. I can handle that. Okay, we're good. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, I got to loosen you guys up a little bit there. That was a very We're gonna interesting probably talk for about us. some pretty deep stuff, some pretty stretching stuff, but we hope we can make you laugh and yeah, you'll be laughing at Our us lives probably are more interesting than anything. Lives. So, <laughs> um, I want to tell you a little bit about Children's Lantern and, and what has happened in the last couple of years before we go into the depths of, of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Children's Lantern. If you don't know who Children's Lantern is, we started this almost three years ago. Um, it's not been quite three years. And we were in this church speaking with you guys probably two and a half years ago. It wasn't long after um, we had started the organizations that the organization that we were talking to you guys. Um, and so now we're back and we get to explain to you a little bit about what's happened in the past and what's happening in the future. Now we can look at the past and we say, wow, there were some great things that happened. And it wasn't, please don't look at us. We're just two tools. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that I'm a tool in church. Should, I, I'm good? All right, thanks. He <laughs> anyway, might want to come back and we're sit right tools, here. okay. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're just doing what God's called us to do, and I want to talk to you a little bit more about that later. But the past, we've gotten to help feed kids. Um, we package how many meals? I knew you were going to ask me that. Yeah. Um, it was at, like it's a, like 132,000 132,000 meals. meals? in between two or three different three. packaging events. 130,000 meals, and we sent them to three different countries. That was over 600 volunteers. Yeah, 600 volunteers have gotten involved with that. Uh, we feed kids in Peru every day, and we feed kids in our area, people, families. Um, it's an amazing thing. We've had hundreds, or not hundreds, we've had probably 30 to 50 new foster families who are fostering people, and we get to help with uh, providing needs for Resources. those foster kids. Any kind of uh, clothing. Um, beds. Beds. Coats, gloves, coats, hats, hygiene supplies. A lot of things like that blankets. we've gotten to help provide for hundreds of foster kids around this area. Um, and we've helped with, we're on our 17th adoption that we've helped fund. Not us. Not us, good Lord, no. Let's clarify that. We've had enough. Um, <laughs> you got to be careful saying that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we know what happens when you say we that. We helped other people, <laughs> 17 other families, with Forever Families. And the thing that's cool about Forever Family is that child's life is changed forever within that family because that family gets to disciple them in a way that 
no children's church for a half hour a week can do. That no, you know, one hour a week where you get to be a big brother or big sister can ever do. But a Christian family, when they take a, fa- a kid in for forever, that kid's life is changed forever. That's huge. So just to clarify a little bit, we have four areas that we work in. Um, feeding kids, funding adoptions, foster care, and freeing sex slaves. And the adoption part with 17, um, we have an adoption grant process, an adoption grant application. So anyone that has, these are um, kids that have brought, been brought home from Haiti, Uganda, we've got a Kenyan one, Congo, um, Congo lots of different places, China, um, and, and domestic private adoptions as well. Um, foster care is something separate. Um, but that's just domestic, private, and international adoption. So that's that part. The last, the last thing that we've gotten to, to do is, is we help in the trafficking realm. Um, and we've helped provide a lot of rehabilitating items. Uh, we've helped several young girls who have been rescued out of trafficking get back on their feet. Um, these are several times we've uh, helped them with living quarters. They have no place to live uh, once they do get rescued. And it's a really long process, and we could go into it, but we only have 35 minutes, and they want me to teach, too. (laughs) So, um, Right now, just to throw out a quick prayer request, we have one um, young lady that we work with that we absolutely adore. She's the sweetest thing on the planet, and she was admitted to St. Rita's last night and had to get a blood transfusion. So if you guys could keep that on your prayer list today, that would be great. Um, These are girls and women that we have worked with very regularly and families as well. are we going to go into what we're going to do coming up or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So I'll keep going. Um, one of the things that we've really, we've been able to get some, um, when a girl is trafficked or a lady is trafficked, and this happens to boys too, but um, their documentation is usually taken away. So there's no um, driver's license, birth certificate, social security card, things like that. So we've been able to help walk these girls through this process, pay for because you have to pay $25 to get your birth certificate, um, things like that. In all four of the areas, we do awareness and resourcing. Um, and generally, over all four areas, we fundraise so that we can help resource and um, do awareness things. Um, so one of the big things that we're noticing as we learn more and we work with the authorities and um, other agencies in six different counties, not just Defiance, so we're working with Fulton County too, um, is that there's a lack of the, the huge part that everybody's missing in the circle of the rescuing of the girls is um, housing. Um, that's the huge gap right now for the United States is housing. So um, announcement time, Children's Island's working on housing for rescued um, trafficking Ooh. victims. Yay. Um, <laughs> um, it's a big project, so praying, project. prayer for that would be great. Um, God's got it under control. He has from the get-go. We have yeah. literally, um, I've said it a few times, I guess, he's just kind of laid out this path and cleared the trees, and, and there's a huge forest, but there's a clear path in front, and we just keep walking, and he just supplies and brings and supplies and brings, and um, we could give you countless stories of, we have a size 11 pair of tennis shoes come into our Hope House, which is part of our foster care realm, and then in comes a child who needs a pair of size 11 basketball shoes. It literally almost makes me cry every time, because it's like, here's the thing, and then in comes the need, and that need is supplied before it even gets there. So it's really, really awesome to watch. Sorry. With feeding, we're starting a program, um, and we have started already on a littler basis, but we're growing it every month. 
we start something called a non-bank food bank. And what it is is it's a food bank that we have shoppers that uh, we have nominators, okay? It starts with a nominator, and the nominators are school administrators, which the schools have been really great working with us, and pastors, area pastors. And they nominate families uh, that might be down on their luck, that need help, that need an extra pick-me-up. And then when they go through that nomination process, we send it to a... Which is very um, short. It's very short. We send it to a shopper. The shopper gets items on... Um, a menu. A menu, basically, and provides a week of groceries. And then we have a deliverer who delivers to the food. And they say, you've been nominated for food. God bless you. That's it. Can we pray for you for anything? Um, it's anonymous. It's completely anonymous. We like it that way. Um, people don't need to know. So non-bank, as in we're not housing food anywhere. Great. There are many, many amazing food banks in our areas and we do um, collect food for them lots of times and we will drop them off at different things. Um, we've done trunk or treat where we've asked people to bring a canned good and we'll drop that off to um, a food bank. So we're not saying that they're not doing a great job no, because no. they are doing a fantastic job, but we don't want to reinvent the wheel. This is kind of hoping to hit the gap in, in the system of, of what happens and we know lots of school administrators and pastors see these families that sometimes just a week of groceries might help, you know, just be a blessing to them. So that's kind yep. of the non-bank food. And uh, for adoptions, we're continuing to do adoptions um, and adoption grants. And for foster care, we're working directly with, and it, it's actually growing to more counties so that we can help more counties with foster care because obviously uh, budgets have been cut and um, kids are actually the ones that are suffering from those budget cuts, not necessarily um, the offices so we want to help those kids and make sure that they are taken care of as well yeah when a budget gets cut in, a, in the foster care area it's the clothing vouchers don't come down for the foster parents for the kids to get clothes that they need so then the foster parents are kind of feeling that a little bit um, so we come try to come in alongside of that we just did a, a backpack um, program which you guys kind of helped with that a little bit um, we a did a lot of it yeah um, so you guys were really integral in that. Um, if you guys are on our Facebook or Twitter, there are pictures of it. It was fantastic. Um, 50, we had originally set 50 book bags because we um, donated some to another organization. It was doing backpack program thing. Um, and we actually still had them in the office. And so I was like, I'm going to go grab another one of these book bags because here comes another mom who needs another book bag. And so we kind of... It was all going to help someone, but I yeah. did take a few of them back so that these foster moms could have a book bag. <laughs> Those book bags came from this church, all the book bags. And they were full of school supplies. And, yeah, they so. went back out as school supplies and all that awesome. stuff. It was awesome. Um, and we have had some amazing support from you guys from here in this church. And we couldn't do this. When we go to churches, we couldn't do anything without the support of God's, you know, the community that God set around us. It's, it has... I mean, there is no way that this is even possible without that. No way. Um, Just and, uh, real quick, you know, it's funny how um, I was standing in praise and worship a little bit ago, and I thought to myself, can a person have, like, two handfuls of home churches? Because I'm standing in praise and worship going, man, it feels like home here. Like, it really does. I don't know. It was kind of yeah. cool. So. Okay, so I got to tell you, um, we are going to talk a little bit about going deeper and going deeper in what God has for you. God's life, God has a picture of, of what you could live in, your life and what it could be. He has this view of what your life could be, and, it, and it's awesome. I mean, it's, it is so awesome. 
Um, and so many times we have a picture in our mind of what our lives could be. We have this, this view of what our life should be or could be. And, and, and through that picture, we have, um, we have the human mindset. We have this mindset that this is what my mind can come up with. So because of that, this is what my life should be. Instead of, this is what God's saying that my life could be. And then we have this trust without borders that, like that song was talking about, that with that trust, we just put fully into God. That picture can be so much more. And it can be so much more beautiful. And it can be so much cooler. You know, the journey is kind of interesting to get to that picture. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about our journey along with my wife because uh, uh, we took this journey on together. We, and, and listen guys, I'm not going to, I just want to tell you our story. Please, please, please don't, don't think that we're telling you how our ministry is great and how things have happened. You know, we want God to call you in a direction that you are called, not what we are called. Just okay. because we have seven kids, that doesn't mean we're standing here saying, you guys need to have seven no, kids. No, please. I wouldn't yeah. recommend it. Because some of you guys need not to <laughs> have kidding. seven kids. I'm just kidding. Some days. There are times when I'm like, we should not have seven oh. kids. And in fact, I can think of three of them I could get. No, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> they know I joke and stuff like that. But anyway, um, so yeah, God's picture for what our family could be. And... Alyssa and I, I just, I'll start from the very beginning and we'll make this like the quick picture. Okay. We were, um, we got engaged prom night, our high school year. You should have told the high year. schoolers to plug their ears first. High schoolers don't do that. Okay. Cause then when you get married right out of high school, you have no money. You have no. And all the high schoolers said, amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. All the parents said, amen. amen. <laughs> that was tough. That was our first tough decision. But then. Um, we got actually married in January, and we had our first baby in December. Whoops! You know, that kind of happened. Hi, Noah! Hey! <laughs> um, and then three years later, we had our next baby, and we were living life the way we knew how. We were living life the best we could. And obviously, when, we're, when you're young, you don't have any money to start out. You don't have anything to start out. Obviously, all of us think that we're supposed to have exactly what our parents had, but it's taken them years and years to get what they have. But we had nothing, and we were living life, and finally we worked things out for a couple of years to where we started doing better and doing better and doing better, and we got comfortable. Our lives got so comfortable and so great, and we were just like, yeah, this is good, you know? And um, I was in a band, and we were traveling, and we were doing our thing, and I was working, and we were just, we were just having a great time. And then I became a pastor, um, for a while, and it was a children's pastor, and uh, even then we were comfortable. We were comfortable in our setting of what God has called us to do, and I felt like God called us to be pastors, and that was it. Our ministry's good, and I don't know what it was. We went, my parents started stinking doing conferences that teach us stuff. Yeah, stinking conferences. <laughs> You gotta watch those. You go to learn something. God shows Jeez. up and knocks you upside your head. So anyway, we went to this conference and we started talking and we were like, you know what? I feel like God's called us to more. And Alyssa said, I feel the same way. My parents started fostering. 
I don't know why they're old, but anyway, <laughs> they they did great. They were doing great, and uh, they started fostering. They got a foster kid. Well, um, we we looked at boy. each other and we said, "We're gonna let them walk through this, yeah. and then we'll follow behind. Whatever yeah. they don't like, we won't do that." So anyway, we said, "You know what? We're gonna start fostering." And there were several reasons behind that um, that decision, but we thought, well, you know, this isn't going to be that big of a deal. Let me tell you, that rocked our world, okay? We went into um, training, and we started learning things about what foster care is and how to deal with things and, and what's the most important. And, you know, they started telling us story after story after story of good things and bad things. And so we started getting a little nervous. Um, but we decided, you know what, we decided this, so we're going to keep on going. And we're going to keep on going, and we are going to persevere. Um, and we ended up with, uh, we got a call right when we got our license done, and we ended up with three young boys who are amongst us today. And the three young boys were eight, he was eight, or no, he turned nine. Just turned nine. Nine, three, and two. And we were like, yeah, all right, we're going to go with a big family. This is going to be great. And then... You know, the first, after the first two weeks, it was like... Well, they moved in over Christmas break. Yeah. So it was like... Boom. The poop hath hitteth the faneth. <laughs> that is the King James Version. From two to five was a lot. Um, and so... I now tell foster parents, you need to give yourself at least two to three months to find a new normal. Yeah, there is a new normal. And so and we worked hard um, to find this new normal, and it was tough. It was from going from, and everybody knows who has had kids. And when you go to zero, from zero to one, that's the biggest change in your life, right? Okay. Then you add kids on top of that. It's not a big deal. But if you go from two to five, it is a huge deal. Okay. So it kind of freaked us out. There were times when we looked at each other and said, I'm not sure we can do this. We made it through. Our house is so small with five We adopted kids. those three. Oh, my goodness. And they, they, we have just, we... It's like we've taken them from babies. That's how it feels. You know, it feels like we're not even, it's never been any other way. That's right. Um, so then we get a call about six months later after we adopted those guys. And we said we were done. We were done. God's, God's got us right where we want we're us. We're good. comfortably comfortable. And then we got a call and said, hey, there's a little boy who needs a home and I was the one that well, was like, I'm done. Yeah. There are no more kids happening in this house. I finally None, told ever. our foster agency to call him because I was tired of telling them no because I wanted to say yes to everyone. And so I kept saying no, no, no. And then I felt like, you know when God like smacks you? Slap. And you're like, oh, come on. You know, I was, I was comfortable again. And I, I felt like I got comfortable again. And God said, this is your son. Stop saying no. I said, all right, I'm going to say yes. And we have Jesse, and Jesse was the one that you put the <laughs> microphone in front of. That's that was the worry. Yeah, that's a worry one right there. So that was three <laughs> years ago, like and we had Jesse for three years, three and a half years before we finally actually adopted him last month. It was a long process, and it was tough. But we have learned so much. We learned that. a lot. I... And we're staying in contact with his mom as part of a relationship builder between him and his mom. And we're going to try and minister to her through that. And we wouldn't be at that place in our hearts without Jesse. Without that kid. That, that boy. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a hoot. And then about a year after, and we were doing well. 
I was like, man, six kids, that's perfect. I got the truck for it, had a big Suburban. I got, you know, we got a perfect room, all boys, so you can room them all together. I'm like, we're good. And then slap. <laughs> I got slapped again. A baby girl. We the fought sister, about this one. The yes, sister of the three boys that we adopted. She, um, mom, their mom had, their biological mom had a baby. And we were to go pick her up from the hospital. I said, this ain't going to work, honey. This ain't going to work. And I said, oh, yes, it is. Yeah. And <laughs> guess who won that argument? You've, have you guys seen Ellie running around? Yeah. I won. She's our favorite. <laughs> um, that's cool. The boys know it. That's cool. Ain't no thing. <laughs> She's their favorite, too. She's their favorite, too. Um, but no, that's a joke, by the way. Uh, Ellie came into our lives, and that was pretty much an instant. We adopted her six months after because they had to be in our home for six months. And we're at seven kids, and there is never a comfortable moment in our lives now, ever, which is okay. Um, things are, are great, but we had to get a new vehicle. You had to get, I mean, all the things that you don't think of, and it's like, it, it, it's tough. But I look at it now, and I see this perfect plan that God had for me and for Alyssa that we would have never even viewed. I mean, when I, you know, when we were young and we were just getting married, there is no way that that was the picture in my head. I'm an only child, so that wasn't. And so when we look at it now, it's just an amazing thing that God has done for us. And I want to encourage you in the same way. God has got a picture for your life, and it might not be foster care. It might not be feeding kids. It might not be, but God's got this picture for your life that if you're open to that, it is so much better than just everyday comfort mill, run-of-the-mill stuff. It's so much better. And we get this thing in our heads, but God wants to crumple that up and start drawing of what a new vision could be in your life and in what your heart says. And so I want to turn to the scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, This is a scripture that my mom made me sit at the kitchen table every morning and memorize. And I thank God she did because this is a fantastic, fantastic scripture. But I'm going to read to you in the New Century Version. This is my favorite. And I used this when I was teaching kids because it was so much more. It's kind of like the message, but it's a little more explanatory, you know. Is explanatory a word? Thank you. It is now. Cool. So, brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg to you, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him. Your offers must be only for God and pleasing to him. Which is the spiritual way for you to worship? Do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. What is perfect. Now, there's, I'm going to break this scripture down for you real quick. We don't deserve anything. If you think you deserve the house you have because you work for it, that's awesome. I appreciate that. But you don't deserve anything. You have to work for it, right? You don't go into your, your office or in, into your workplace and say, 
Hey, paycheck me. Without doing the work first, correct? But God did the work for us. You didn't deserve to be saved. You didn't deserve to be rescued. You didn't deserve to have someone come in and give you full grace. You didn't deserve it, but he did it. He did it. And it says right here that we need to show him our service. Be a living sacrifice to him. Be a living sacrifice. What's a living sacrifice? That's something that says, I am going to lay my life down. Lay my life down. The view that I have, the picture that I have, I'm going to lay it down right before God, and God is going to take it and mold it the way he wants. I am going to be that living sacrifice. I'm going to be what God has called me to be. The second part of the scripture is not being conformed to this world. I can't tell you how many times people call us crazy. They call us weird. They're like, they see us walking with all of our children, and we look like the United Nations walking down the sidewalk. <laughs> people see that. And, and I hate to say this, but there are a lot of people around Northwest Ohio who have a problem with that. There really are. And some will let you know. And some have let us know. I don't care. Okay, but the truth is, we get called crazy. But the truth of the matter is, is if, if it's saying don't be conformed to this world, why would we want to be called normal in this world? Why would you want to be the normal? Why would you want to be someone that says, oh yeah, that's, that's great. They're another family, just like this family, and just like... I don't want to be normal. If you're normal, then if we're normal, then we're not necessarily living to what God's called us to scripturally to do. We're called to be weird. We're called to be different. If you want a great book to read, Weird by Craig Rochelle. That's a great book. Another book is Radical. I think I said that last time, Radical. Because um, those books... When we first started doing some of the stuff we did, we read those, and they pushed us to our limits of what we could expect. But we, as a couple, have decided that we want to be the weird. I want to challenge you to decide to be the weird. Don't be normal. I mean, look at this. This ain't normal. <laughs> That's beautiful right there. Stop it. I'm going to get points for that later, guys. <laughs> it's just wrong. Stop it. Okay. Um, and when you're doing what God's called you to do, it might be different. It might be awkward. It might be something that is completely out of the norm. You know, but if we're all weird together, it's not so weird. Does that make sense? last part of the scripture talks about being changed with a new way of thinking. A God way of thinking. If we, if we change our ways and our thoughts with what God's thoughts are for you and how to do things, if we all did that together, I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about the church. If the church all did everything the way God's plan for our lives were, would there be hunger? 
Would there be starving children? Would there be kids without homes? Would there be homeless people living in our towns? If we truly lived the life, and all of us, and we have a slogan at Children's Lantern that you can't do everything, but you can do something. And that something should be what God's called you to do. And if we all do our somethings, if we're all that piece of the puzzle that fits together within each other, and God's got this master plan that looks gorgeous and looks beautiful, and if we have one piece that's not there, not where it's supposed to be, that puzzle isn't complete. God's given us this world. He took it back, and he gave it to us. If we have that new way of thinking, that that way that God's called us to, we can change our world forever. And if our world isn't changed and we can just change one kid's life forever, that kid can change someone else and that kid can change someone else and you can start a chain that you never even knew could be possible because you did what God called you to do. You did what God called you to do. And that's what I'm challenging you to do today. Do you have anything else? Not yet. All right. If we lived in the plan God had for us, we would accomplish so much. And if you don't know what God's called you to do, stay in prayer. Stay in prayer, but I want to encourage you to take a step. Take a step. Take a step. It's as simple as saying, I'm going to take food to my neighbor. It's as simple as taking a step and saying, I'm going to encourage that kid at school. It's as simple as taking a step and saying, what can I do to change my community? It's as simple as taking a step of faith. And when that step, you feel like God's called you there, take another step. You know, we get asked, and we've talked to several uh, pimps, traffickers. We've talked to several uh, young girls who've been trafficked. And we've actually had a conversation with a few pimps, or we've heard it, it wasn't, we weren't conversing with them. Um, the girl that was trafficked. So the girl that was trafficked. They said, how did a person get from here all the way to pimping young girls and trafficking? How does a person get there? And they said this, one step at a time. One of my favorite quotes is, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. We didn't start out with seven kids. And we didn't start out with um, you know, adopting five. Um, but we took everything one step at a time. We went through training. Um, we've called signed countless handfuls of people. I know I have. I've called them and cried and told them my heartache or my hurt or my worry or my concern and um, one hurdle at a time is where you where you go through um, and that can be changed too within us I know that the, that, that that bad stuff stows with one step at a time and it but you know what the world can be healed one step at a time the people in the community can be changed one step at a time each person in this room can change things one step at a time and even if you have the worst things happening in your life, you know what? Start digging out. When we first started everything, I, you know, with, with adopting the kids and all that thing, our finances were a wreck. I mean, just straight up 
wrong. And I said, "Hun, there is no way we are going to be able to adopt kids. We have no money. We have no way to do this. Our finances were a wreck. We went to Dave Ramsey, and uh, we're Ramseyers. Um, we've been Ramseyers. We've been Ramseyers. <laughs> but I can say to this day, and I don't take care of the bills anymore. <laughs> because we took steps and followed God's path, no matter what we thought and what our view said, we can't do this. Because we took those steps, we're debt free, except for our house. But we're debt free, and that's awesome. And it, it's not because of us, because we look at it and I'm like, I really don't know how this happened. I mean, it shouldn't work out, but it did. And I want to tell you this, too, and the last thing. When you're taking those steps, there is an opposite party that doesn't want you to succeed. Every single time. And there's also, there's things that come up that are frustrating. There are things that come up that are hard. There are things that come up that you said, I did not expect that at all. I remember this, Chris, Chris did this. Um, I was at the church, and Chris knows about this. He remembers it, I'm sure. And <laughs> we, were, uh, we were fostering at the time. And I'm not laughing. I, I know. <laughs> I'm laughing nervously. Because <laughs> he's going to be mad at you for telling no. the story. <laughs> um, so I was at the church working, and Alyssa calls me frantic. And this was when Chris first came into our care. And he comes running through the house, and he says, I hate living in this effing house. I was like, Am I allowed to say that? I, I didn't say the word anyway. I just did that. And I said, I'll be home in a minute. That was the worst night we have ever dealt with. And Chris tore his room to shreds, and we had us a big old blow up. And I don't even remember what it was about. You remember that, Chris? No? You That's because you suppressed it. <laughs> Trust me, I remember. <laughs> I remember. And that was the night I looked at Alyssa and I said, I don't know if I can do this. But you know what? You just keep on stepping. You just keep on stepping because if you don't get through those things. It says right here in that song, it said, you know, when water gets the deepest, that's when you rely on me. That's when you rely on God. Because our human selves, we, don't, we break, we buckle, we can't handle it. But God's called us to something, and he says, if you have this trust without borders, I'll get you through it. I'll take you from one point to the next point. But you better have trust in me, and you better not quit. And if you think that this is going to be an easy path, it never says in the word once it's going to be easy. But it does say that it will be worth it. And it says, if you trust in me with all your heart, and don't lean under your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct our path. And our path at the end of there is going to be something beautiful. And it's what God's called you to do. Let's pray. Holy Father, I just thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to live the life that you've called us to, to be who you want us to be. God, push us. Push us out further. Push us out of our comfort zone, God. We don't want to be comfortable. We don't want to be comfortable. I want to be something that, that you've called us to do more. You've called us to do more. 
God, I thank you so much for just being an awesome God and being worth our servanthood and worth that every sacrifice we make. I love you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I take two seconds and say something real quick? You said, let's pray, and I was like, I still had something. I just wanted to encourage you guys, too, that don't, um, I don't want you to, to take what you heard today and think, I can't adopt seven kids, or I can't adopt five, or I'm not called to foster care. There are so many things that you guys can do that are doing something, whatever it is. Um, in, if you're interested in any of the four areas that we have, we have lots of stuff going on um, that you can jump in and be a part of. But just finding where that thing is that, that God has called you to do and step out in it and walk out in it. That just happens to be what our lives look like. But um, I loved what Adam said about the piece of the puzzle. Just to be able to see someday the tapestry that God is weaving together right now is going to be fantastic. So thank you guys for having us.